0: Welcome back. Uh, Hopefully, uh, that technical glitch and uh, connection is all sorted. Uh, Let me recap, just in case you just joined us. Uh, Today, Statistician General Risenge Malulege announced the unemployment statistics for the last quarter of 2021. South Africa is clearly grappling with a very high unemployment rate, and it looks like that unemployment rate is bound to be here for quite some time. Job scarcity, as uh, we all know, is... uh, not unique to South Africa in the African continent. Despite having human capital and a vibrant workforce, many African countries are battling to create jobs for their citizens. We're in conversation with Edwin Ikwarai, who's Africa's executive director at One, and they are launching what they call their jobs campaign. It said that Africa needs 15 million new decent jobs every year to harness its demographic dividend that reflects a booming young population. Edwin, good evening. Thank you for your time. Give us your background and what your involvement with ONE is.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, my, uh, Like you know, my name is Edwin Ikwari and I am the African Executive Director of the ONE Campaign and we are basically an organization campaign to end extreme poverty and preventable diseases on the African continent. And Of course, we try to get uh, African citizens to demand um, the right policy changes and initiatives that would help uh, Africa get op- Africans get opportunities within Africa, then they can walk themselves out of poverty. That's, exactly, that's the heart of what we do uh, at One Campaign.
0: So when you say you're asking them to demand policy changes, what kind of policy changes are you demanding that they demand uh, to happen?
1: So, first of all, there are several uh, uh, you know structural challenges to creating jobs on the African continent. As an example, uh, the uh, business environment, in terms of there are many African countries right now that are dealing with power issues. And then, of course, um, if you do not make the right investment into power and infrastructure, there is no way you can encourage uh, small businesses to thrive. And so, for instance, we campaign to. Uh, to get African governments to invest in that infrastructure to ensure that the accountability mechanisms, that, that ensure that power is available uh, for small businesses and they are not taxed out of businesses. And, they are, and, they, and the what we call the ease of doing business environment is conducive for young entrepreneurs to come in and they know that the policies are predictable and then they can make this investment. Those are the kind of policies we ask for to ensure that uh, the place is safe, not just not just safe because it's conducive to good businesses. And uh, apart from that, in terms of like health, and um, uh, for instance, in this COVID response, we are pushing that African uh, governments make the investment in the health sector that allows them to be able to take care, or at least uh, manage um, uh, sickness or disease for for the poorest uh, people, that they don't have to spend themselves out of their pocket and get sink further into poverty. So those are examples of the kind of policies that we push for on the African continent to help Africa stay um, out of extreme poverty.
0: Yeah. So why was it necessary, Edwin, for one to launch this jobs campaign? And what ultimately are you hoping to achieve? You will say you are successful when what happens?
1: Okay. First of all, there are several things. Uh, There are many opportunities right now that we're trying to um, make sure that they work. First of all, in the local context, it is about how do you get more investment into the African continent? So in South Africa, for instance, how do you push, um, you know, investments into the sector that really creates jobs for people? So we're tracking the investment flow landscape. We're tracking the, the structural barrier that prevents investments from coming in. We're tracking, tracking accountability for all of the things that are, that, um, that the government have already done, the investment that they've already made to create jobs. We're trying to see how successful those initiatives uh, uh, are and to see where there are changes that need to be made. So those are some examples. If we get those changes, if we get those policy commitments, we would have seen that we won. But on, on the other side, is we're speaking with uh, the development finance institutions uh, across the world who, have made, who are the ones that, are, that were created mainly to make investments when the markets are not conducive. And we're basically getting them, we're tracking that they make this investment on production on the African continent. For example, the African vaccine manufacturing uh, uh, sector is a, is a key sector that's attracting investment now because African government came together and collectively agreed that local production of vaccines is, is a way to protect Africa's health, uh, to Africa health in African hands. And for that reason, because of this concerted effort, we see DFIs are putting money, and and, uh, and and foreign investment are flowing into that specific area. That's the kind of uh, conservative area we're looking for. So those commitments. At the end of this campaign, we are hoping that full commitments are made by African movements to create value within the continent. Another example that I saw is um, in the DRC, for instance, one of the weakest uh, countries on the African continent producing some of the the world's most uh, vital. Uh, um, green, green energy sources for batteries and the rest, like cobalt uh, and like platinum. Uh, but these, these, these uh, uh, resources are not utilized. They are not transformed within the continent. Africa has been seen for many years as a supplier of raw materials. So what we are beginning to see, or what we are campaigning for, and we'll be happy to see at the end of this campaign, is that real transformation happens on the continent. That instead of just exporting raw materials, we're actually adding value to the things we produce here, and thereby creating jobs on the country. Those are some examples that we are hoping to see in different countries that we are going to be continuing in.
0: How is your process of lobbying political leaders uh, you know, uh, going, particularly uh, at least in South Africa? Because just today, uh, the unemployment statistics uh, were released, and it is really appalling what is happening specifically to young people in South Africa. So in terms of the work that you do, which includes lobbying political Leaders in world capitals, uh, you know, to fight for these campaigns yes. that you run as one. How are you doing in South Africa? Yes.
1: So, one of the example, one of the things that we have, we have we've been planning to do with partners in South Africa is not just to uh, allow the government and to just make these decisions. It's to get young people involved in the decision-making process because the technology, the innovation, the things that can happen that will transform. Um, um, you know the employment landscape on the continent the ideas are in their minds and in the hands of these young people so we want to get them involved that's so the first uh, step is mobilization let's go be and organizing them the second step really is to check existing initiatives all the investments that have been made to create jobs the question is are they working if they are mm. not working what is not working these are the kind of questions we are asking so that accountability can then improve the system and' we are, we are hoping that Ultimately, the ecosystem will change and more jobs will be created. So those are some structural questions we're asking We're getting young people to take the lead and to make this demand and to make this, uh, to ask these questions with policymakers.
0: Mm. How long do you anticipate running the campaign for? And, you know, uh, when will you officially launch it? Or as we're talking, is it already officially launched?
1: So we are launching on, on Thursday, the thirty-first of March. Uh, we're launching virtually. Uh, and we also understand that the issue of unemployment is really intractable. So we're not, we're not thinking that at the end of one year, Africa will be able to 15 million jobs for the 15 million young people who are currently entering the job market every year. We are taking this as uh, a long term uh, campaign that we want to take on one step at a time, taking one win at a time, one positive change at a time. In the next five years, we are hoping to see that there is a, a shift in the ecosystem. Job creation. I'm ultimately hoping that the right investment, the, the, the environment is conducive to the private sector to put in their capital to create jobs. And there, there will be a policy, uh, some effort, that will make them activate and then tomorrow they, they, they go out of the way. So it's a long term journey. It's not, it's not all yeah. up or, or just one year and we're done. So, 31st of this month, uh, on Thursday, we're officially launching this campaign and we're getting mobilized at least 1 million young people. To take action to this effect.
0: Yeah. So, are you launching across all of the countries on the same day, or is it going to be a sort of protracted launch?
1: So, it's we are launching at the Pan African level first. Yeah. Okay, and then we're going to be working in seven countries at a time. Um, this will be this will then take place. So after the Pan-African launch that we're doing virtually on on Thursday, then in certain African countries, our partners in these countries will have their own national launch based on the national context. So, for instance, in South Africa, the key issue that they may be facing may be different from the key issue they are facing in Nigeria. So our partners in South Africa will be focused on those specific key that are particular to South Africa, whereas the Nigerian ones will also focus on the ones that are, uh, are particular to Nigeria. But at the pan level, we are hoping to uh, take uh, things that are, that are, that are pan african like the Africa continental free trade area, for instance. We, have to, we are campaigning that it works because we know that if it works, it will increase trade within Africa, it will increase value creation, and then it can increase employment. So those are the, that's the way we are approaching this campaign.
0: Yeah. Uh, just in case you just joined us, uh, we're uh, talking about the One Africa's Job Summit. And uh, Edwin Ikowari is Africa's Executive Director at One. And they are launching, as you heard him say, the jobs campaign on Thursday, the 31st of March. Uh, you're limiting this launch to African youth. Are you, Colin? Uh, Edwin? No, it's not limited to Africa. Everybody needs jobs. So it's not
1: just young people. It's not just youth but we're using the voices of young people to make the aid politically expedient. That's why we are calling, we're calling, we're trying to mobilize one million young people on the continent to make this issue the center of policies, the center of, uh, of any government agenda. In several African countries uh, today, uh, this, this year, a lot of uh, elections will be taking place. And the question here is that what should be the biggest political agenda when Afrobarometer asked African young people across the continent what is the number one priority they want the government to face, everybody puts jobs and unemployment first, even mm. before health and education, in during the pandemic. Mm. And so we want—that's why we want their voices to be heard and to amplify them across the continent. And that's why we, have, we see us uh, talking about the youth, the youth, the youth, because their voices we think would really change dynamics this time.
0: Yeah. Are you able to tell us which seven African countries you're launching in?
1: Okay. Yes. So, we are doing in Nigeria, in South Africa, in Senegal, in the DRC, in Tunisia, and in Kenya.
0: Mm. We've got uh, some calls that have come through. There's a couple of people that would like to ask you questions. So, let's go to Colin in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Hi, Colin. Welcome.
2: Good evening, KGA. Good evening to your guest.
0: Evening, do you Colin. Know,
2: do you know, um, unemployment will never solve the problem? Uh, with unemployment in Africa. We'll never, ever. Um, 2017, I heard on your radio station, between 2017 and till um, January this year, South Africa's population grew to 5 million. In 2021 till now, we created 380,000 jobs. Now, GDP is growing at such a low rate. So how can we continue finding jobs for those people? 5 million from uh, 2017 till now. And we only created 380,000 jobs No. What I'm trying to explain to you now, we're going to try and curb, curb our population. Because you, you can't say who must have and who must not have children. But those who haven't got are sitting with three, four, five children. Those little children grow up and become the next generation without anything. If the parents can't afford, the father or anybody can't afford to look after them, how are we going to solve this problem? Now, talk about education. And another thing about education is this. In my days, I'm a 75-year-old man. In my days at school, we had trades. We had... um, Sheet metal work, we had woodwork at school, and we had all those things. Those who never, ever made the matric were very handy and became plumbers, electricians, and so and so and so. Everybody is not a university uh, subject. So therefore, I would recommend Africa and this government of ours must go and get hold of those intelligent mat- uh, matrix standard eight, standard nine, stellar eights, who can work with their hands and become artisans, which fell away since the new government took over in this country. In my days, we had artisan schools, we had apprentice schools, we had everything. Those people worked and if they became an entrepreneur, he was a fitter, he was a turner, he was a plumber, he was an electrician. He worked from home and he at least earned money.
0: Thank you, Colin. Uh, I think you've put your point across. Uh, let's allow our guests to respond. The issue of artisans, uh, you know, in terms of uh, what Colin is talking about. I don't know if uh, you want to comment on that, Edwin.
1: Yes, and, 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 and honestly, he is very, very correct. And I think when people talk about employment and they need it from the point of view of only wage employment, or formal um, uh, white collar employment, that is not the way we define it. We're basically defining employment as opportunity to work and earn a living. But the question we ask is, decent a mm-hmm. decent employment. So if you're working as an artisan, the question is, what you are earning, how protected is it? Mm. How um, what is it, What what is the return? What is the return to you as an artisan? How is it protected? That's that's why we're talking about. How do we create decent jobs? Ooh. So it doesn't have to be through employment, but it has to be through, uh, uh, you know, it includes you know, uh, uh, skilled artisans who are working on their own, but at least guaranteed they are protected, part of the social uh, the security for them as well. And these are the kind of things we're we are trying to push for as well. So everything that we can do to get them involved and to be as inclusive as possible and, and to reduce the security of their jobs.
0: Those are the things we're coming in for. Yeah. Romeo in Bulugwane uh, wants to join in on the conversation. Romeo, good mo- good evening.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: good evening uh, to CKJ and uh, to your guest. How are you this evening? Uh, can, can you hear me?
0: Yes, we can hear you, Romeo. Just okay. go ahead and ask me, your question.
2: Okay, let me quickly ask my question to your guest. In your opening remarks, uh, uh, um, um, you said we demand uh, some of the policies that are blocking uh, the employment of youth to be removed. When I listened to you very careful, I thought I should ask you these questions. Um, do we have got policies that are blocking the creation of jobs for the young ones. If you are talking of One Africa, how powerful your organization is it? Is your organization under a Are you going to be listened uh, so that part of these policies that we see blocking uh, and uh, part of all these policies that are um, blocking uh, the, I mean, the creation of employment for the young ones, are they going to be removed? Because my fear, you might be an organization that is coming, but at the end of the day, not to be recognized. And how does this inter-Africa trade will help the creation of employment, if it can be implemented properly? And lastly, can we have got a policy in which All our resources that we are producing, can they benefit Africans before we export or selling anything outside so that we can have many factory machine uh, processing industries that could create a lot of jobs for the young ones? Can it be happening, if I may ask you that way? Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for the good program.
0: Thank you, Romeo. So, maybe uh, let's uh, get all the calls, Edwin. And I hope you are noting all okay. of the comments and then you can respond when everyone uh, has said what they wanted to say. Mike, you're in Newlands in Cape Town. Okay. Hi, Mike.
3: So hi, KG, and good evening to Edwin. Uh, Edwin, yeah, I must say, I'm overwhelmed by your challenge, uh, and I'm sure you are too. Uh, but because I, I mean, I, I just don't know where to actually start with, with what you want to achieve. First of all, let me say, I think every caller will will be with you 100%. But if we could just take South Africa's case, um, how do you deal with a country like South Africa, which is not driven by um, the, the people? It's driven by the ideology of the politicians. So whether people are unemployed or employed is of no interest to our politicians at all, because they constantly will make sure that they remain in power. So in South Africa, we're a bit of a lost cause. Uh, we've got no infrastructure; well, it's, it's all collapsed now. Uh, we've got no power. We've got, uh, we've got. If you come to jobs itself, anybody investing in South Africa first of all has to deal with BEE, the possibility of um, of, uh, uh, of uh, expropriation without compensation, or even the threat of it. Of course, will kill any investment into our new investment into our country. Failing municipalities, we've got unions that don't work, and so on. So I think South Africa possibly is a lost cause. I don't really see much hope for us. Um, but perhaps is there another country that you could choose that could say, "I'm going to make this country work, and I'm going to prove to the rest of Africa that we can, as an African country, succeed." But I can't think of a country that's going to be able to achieve that. That's going to allow free enterprise. That's not going to allow an ideology to get involved and we're not going to have some sort of dictator-type situation where they play black or white or black on Indian or black on Asian, which tends to be the theme in Africa. There seems to be no country that just says, you know what, we'll just administer the, the, the country. You guys go ahead and uh, be entrepreneurs and, and 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 employ people, and let's grow the country. I can't think of a country in, in South Africa that's going to do this uh, Africa, particularly Southern Africa. Pat, you can name
0: one, Edwin. Thanks very much, KG. Thank you, Mike. Lizwe in Johannesburg, you want to join the conversation. Hi, Lizwe.
2: Evening, KG.
0: Good evening. I'll
2: talk about South Africa. There is no shortage of jobs. If there are shortage of jobs, why don't we see white youth standing by the roadside looking for jobs? Why don't we see white people standing by the gates of factories looking for their job? In South Africa, the white employers hated the South African black people with passion. That's why they decided to abandon the South Africa and hire the foreign nationals. You understand? We need land. Now, Colin talks about uh, population keeping. That is not the solution. Chinese have got unemployment there, but they've got only a police of two kids per family. So we need land, and we must stop. Stop, stop hating the South African black people. That's why these people are hiring the foreigners, because they hate the black South Africans with passion. That is my taking. Lizwe.
0: Okay, thank you, Lizwe. Let's allow our guests to respond. Edwin, I'm hoping you noted all of the comments that came through and uh, you can respond to them now.
1: Thank you very much. And honestly, I know it's a very passionate topic, and I indeed, I'm not surprised with the reaction um, uh, you know we're getting here. Um, so, indeed, in uh, let's start with the fact that we are not saying our organisation is trying to make this change it happen. What we are doing is basically providing a platform for young people or for voice, uh, for African voices, citizens to really drive the agenda. So that's the first thing. So it's not what one is doing. It's what citizens are going to be doing. And what we, are our role here is to facilitate that, to make sure that at least citizens are able to uh, able speak their mind and then they can organize. So we'll provide the platform for them to be able to organize and then get these um, policy solutions that we are trying to push across, you know, really get to the policy makers. So that's the first thing. So I agree and the ask the first one asked the question how does the SDFTA, how you are gonna help and create employment? Of course. If Antroach currently trades with itself at only twelve percent, you're not it with the rest of the world, you know, with the rest of eighty to something you discover that um, most of the things that we're trading are mainly commodities. Those commodities are barely transformed on the continent. And that's the first part. I give you an example. In in the DLC, uh, they export all of the cobalt that they that they mine there. Okay, and cobalt is, 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 is a battery value chain. The battery value chain, you know, the next stage of processing the battery, uh, cobalt, make it available. The, the next alloy that it will be, it will be processed to make it available for battery to be used, that is a $250 billion industry. But cobalt itself, it goes out doesn't even end the deal up to $20 billion a year. These you are know the kind of things we're talking about, the level of transformation that needs to happen. And that's, that means that African countries need to connect with each other, so that those who have the capacity can use the resources within Africa, transform it, and it's a opportunity so that as is are able to move, then they can, they can, they can uh, um, you know, find employment in the right places. That's the first thing that the CFTA will do, and unless this works, it's only in theory. And that's, gonna, that's one of the reasons why we are campaigning that the CFTA works. In terms of all of the structural uh, constraints, for instance, in South Africa, all of the things like the role of the union, how difficult it is in to, to, to operate or make investment because of the things you're going to be contending with. Those are exactly the things we are putting on the table to say if we do not address this challenge and we continue to churn out this high number of young people into the market and the fine place. You will continue to deal with insecurity, deal with instability, you will deal with issues that are far beyond the policies that you're currently implementing. Those are the analytics we are trying to push across. And I do agree when, when you say that um unless we, you know, we kind of look at a structural transformation, it, it needs to happen. We need to start creating value and adding uh increasing our processing right here on the continent. That's the only time we can create opportunities so why we continue to extend our raw materials, we continue to export our jobs. And, and the, the last caller that talked about, um, you know, the situation of unemployment is mainly really affecting blacks. I would say it affects all of all, it affects everybody. I agree that the blacks are the, are the ones that are most affected. But you also look at the, uh, look at this point there. Um, the historical the role of history in this, and that's why we need to think about if there are structural, challenges, if there are skill gaps, if there are opportunities and opportunities that could be created to bridge the gap so that young black people who are currently disabotized from, from historical uh, um, issues can find the skills, can find the opportunities within the market and, get, and actually uh, get the chance. But if we do not structurally deal with the opportunities, so even if people are skilled, when you have only one vacancy and then two million people are applying, of course you will select the best. And that is the essence of business. So that's why we need to think about how do we skill up our own our own people to get to the point where they are able to use the opportunities that currently exist? But more importantly, the opportunities are too few, and that's what we need to really work on. That's why the campaign is focused on how do we increase the opportunities so that more people can get the chance to get a job. Uh, those are the, those are my quick comments I I, I I can make for now.
0: Uh, you know, uh, we we're completely run out of time, but uh, before before we round off our discussion, uh, let's talk about how uh, the young people in South Africa who want to participate in this campaign can join in the campaign as you launch it on Thursday.
1: Okay, thank you. We're launching a job site. We're launching, launching a, a, a micro site called jobsnoafrica.org. And the aim of that place is to gather Actions and gather points. So, once we launch the, account, the, launch the campaign, the, the site will go live. There we we'll begin to get people to organize. We're organizing through this uh, through this website, and that's where we can we can find out actions that are taking place in your locality, and actions that you can join, and movements that you can join with the countries that we're operating, we are, are campaigning. So, jobsnowafrica.org will soon be launched, and then we will be reaching out to as many as those who can join. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, follow us on our website. Uh, you will see at, at one.org or oneafrica.org, uh, one, uh, one in Africa, sorry, on a Twitter page, you will get all the information you need uh, to, to follow the campaign. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, Edwin Ikwairi is uh, Africa's Executive Director at uh, One.